please rise in body or spirit for the call to worship. Welcome, all you daisies and roses, dandelions, begonias, and sunflowers. Welcome to all the marigolds, snapdragons, and honeysuckle, you poppies and lilies and bright, blazing suncups. Come on in, all you with soft petals, thorns, and spikes, weathered, windblown, broken leaves, and drops of dew, welcome. Welcome if you open your faces to the sun or come to life right as dusk comes near. To you, bee lovers, pollen spreaders, allergy inducers, <laughs> come all you flowers, all the flowers born of seeds from generations past, spreading life for generations into the future. All the flowers, not of our own making, but belonging to each other in this beautiful bouquet. Please join us in singing hymn 1051 in the Teal Hymnal, We Are. For each child that's born, the morning star rises and sings to the universe who we are. For each child that's born, a morning star rises and sings to the Just be 
each child that's born a morning star rises and sings to the You may be seated. And I believe Kristen welcomed you as the flowers you are already. Um, this first Sunday of June, of Pride, if Pride gets to be a month, can next month be wrath? <laughs> a month that happens to be so many other things. But June also has today, this moment. And I'm honored to be part of these two young people's step of bridging to adulthood, as well as the new hundred, the now 100 year old flower ceremony. We do worship a little different here and not because that's the cool thing to do. As you and I may yearn for the kind of serenity a church provides, we also embrace the noises that may punctuate the quiet, the gurgles, beeps, and buzzes, the notes to self spoke aloud, the scooch of a chair, laughter, <laughs> laughter, singing in every key, A yelp, a, a yelp for these young men and for all the beauty I see here today. Parents and other caregivers, it can be hard just getting here. We welcome your children in all of their curious, squirmy selves, in all of their spontaneous, encanting, the way they move, talk, think, and are a part of what we are. Down front is the playground, best seat in the house if you ask me. At the back is an art table where people of all ages can color or draw. You may prefer the privacy of the family room across the hall with a live feed of the sanctuary as well as more comfortable seating and room to move around. Thank you for all the ways you're with us today. The first flower ceremony was held a hundred years ago today in 1923. Before I tell you the story of that first celebration, I want to start in Europe nearly a decade earlier. Europe was on the brink of war. And in Prague, a Baptist minister named Norbert Chopek, who was also an editor of several journals, was making waves politically, pushing against the political and religious norms of the times. And those years in Europe were tumultuous and dangerous. And Reverend Chopek and his wife, Maya, accepted encouragement from colleagues to move to the United States for their safety. They settled in New Jersey, where Reverend Chopek served a Baptist congregation. 
So fast forward several years, and here in the United States, it's now the roaring 20s. Prohibition, the first ever live radio broadcast, followed by some folks having the privilege of listening to radios in their homes. Folks with means were buying frozen food for the first time. Jazz, flappers, can you picture it? And Reverend Chopek and his family were still living and preaching on the East Coast. Reverend Chopek's beliefs had always been a bit more progressive than the institutions he had been a part of. And over the years, that progressive impulse grew, influenced by the religious freedom they experienced in the United States. And he decided that he could no longer be a Baptist minister. And the family began shopping around for new churches. And as they were shopping around, they stumbled across a Unitarian church. And their kids fell in love with the children's programming. Does that sound familiar to anyone? That Unitarian church was the answer to the progressive religion that they had been seeking. And Norbert became committed to bringing Unitarianism to Prague. By this time, World War I was over, and it felt safe to return to what was now Czechoslovakia. With support from the American Unitarian Association, Chapek and Maya returned to their home country to create a Unitarian church. The church that he founded attracted many people looking for religious freedom. These newcomers were not familiar with Unitarianism but they were drawn to the promise of that new community. And fairly quickly, the new congregation had 3,000 members attending on Sunday mornings. 3,000. Reverend Chapek cultivated this new community with intention and care. He determined that they needed a ritual that would hold the complexity of this gathered group of very unique folks. They needed a way to embody and symbolize the inherent dignity of the diverse individuals and also their commitment to a new way of being together, a new way of committing to the values and freedom and care for one another and for their world. And it was in this spirit that the flower ceremony was born, and it became an annual tradition. After Reverend Chopek's death, it was Maya, his wife, who ultimately returned to the United States, and it is thanks to her ministry here that we celebrate this tradition in Unitarian Universalist congregations across the United States each year. At that first ceremony in 1923, a hundred years ago, every person brought a flower from their garden or the roadside, and then the flowers were intermingled just as we have done today. The intermingling of the flowers symbolically brought together all of those unique individuals, each as integral pieces of the community. And at the end of that service, each person took home a different flower from the one that they had originally brought. And in that way, they recommitted to what Reverend Chopek called the search for truth and service together. We carry on this legacy from our Unitarian ancestors as we celebrate the flower ceremony today. So 
Let's begin. I see that the doors to the back have been closed and we will need some help opening those. And then I need some volunteers to bring forward our flowers. And you saw how many vases out that we had out there, right? We probably need maybe a dozen or more of you to go back and gather the vases and bring them forward and place them along the platform in the front here. So thank you for those of you who are already heading out there grabbing vases. Please now bring forward the flowers. Such beautiful flowers. Let's talk about meditation. We live in a time of transitions, understatement of the century, right? And this time, the practice of meditation is a helpful metaphor, or actually even direct practice, I think. When we sit with our constantly changing minds, we confront, we confront the change that change is continuous the reality that change is continuous and we're faced with a choice so we can make a painful and futile attempt to resist change or learn to get comfortable with it and meditation is the practice of staying grounded in the face of constant change so let's practice find a comfortable seat feel how you're supported by the chair, the floor, where your hands are resting. Maybe lengthen your spine if that's right for your body today. Let's take a deep breath and soften our shoulders. Turn your attention to your breath now. Don't try to control it or chase it. Simply be a witness to your breath. It's sometimes helpful to count your breaths, count to 10, start over again. And let's confront the changing mind together.
What world did we wake up to this morning? How are our families chosen and biological? How are the people we love? How are our neighbors? Whatever or whoever you're carrying in your heart, at the sounds of the chime, let's pray their names into the sanctuary. To all these, we add these prayers of our community. We mourn with Ken Callahan on the passing of his wife, Narita. May Ken be comforted by his loved ones and may light perpetual shine upon Narita. We lift up David Gick as he struggles with a health emergency. May he feel the support of this congregation and may he recover quickly. We give thanks for the support of our sibling congregations across the country. May that support be rewarded tenfold. And we pray for our youth who are bridging today. May the Unitarian Universalist faith of Delino and Anthony continue to deepen as they work to create a more just and caring world. All these we lift up to the great powers of healing and renewal known by many names. And today we lift up all those grappling with the idea of the divine. We lift up those who aren't sure what the divine actually is. We lift up those who once felt the presence of the divine, but no longer do. And we lift up those who feel the presence all the time. We lift up those who don't find the idea of a divine presence very helpful. We lift up those who wonder what the fuss is all about. We lift up all those who doubt, who struggle, who question and seek, may all find not easy answers, but fulfillment in asking the questions. However we find the divine, may we move from considering our faith to be the final arriving point to honestly encountering the limits of our belief system. May we move from a cheap and easy morality that divides us from the rest of society to affirming the dignity and worth of all, even those we disagree with. May we move from smugness about our spiritual superiority to a mutual understanding that there are many paths to living with integrity and love. Unless there be many, any misunderstanding, these prayers are as much for me as they are for anyone in this room. May we move from rhetoric, from catchphrases and jargon that signal our virtue to embodied action that asks us to, for real sacrifice and that teach us humility. May we all live in the paradox that 
we're pretty good just as we are. And we could all use a little work. May the divine, as we understand it, fill our spirits and make us glad. And may we all be held in the heart of love. Love be with you. Good morning. I am Alana Rodriguez. I'm the Youth Programs Coordinator. Unitarian Universalists recognize that the transition from youth to young adulthood is a moment to be celebrated, a process to be supported, and requires a, li a lifelong commitment from all of us. We use the term bridging to refer both to the ritual used to honor this transition and the process of leaving the youth community and finding one's place in the young adult community. Like many transitions that young people go through, bridging can be joyful, sad, and challenging. UUs of all ages are called to support newly bridged young adults in finding faith homes. Whether it's here or another part of the world, we, as your faith community, your home base, commit to always be a landing spot for you. Today, we celebrate two of our graduating seniors and this momentous transition. On a personal note, I have known these two young people for about 10 years. And when I first met them, they were shorter than me. <laughs> I remember a time when Anthony, a new youth to the youth group in, I think, sixth grade, lovingly and with conviction brought in some of his peers who had fallen out of covenant, and I knew we were growing a leader. Did you know that he's on the church staff as a child care worker? <laughs> Delino gave the best rendition of what makes you beautiful from One Direction at UU camp a couple years ago. I've never seen anything like it. He was lip syncing, but still, it was beautiful. 
did you know? Yeah, you can clap for that. It was really good. <laughs> I won't make him do it right now. Um, did you know that he served on the RE Council as a Community Connections Liaison? In the, while we were completely shut down, mind you, and helped create online community events for our, for our families. So, we are very lucky. After today, you will be invited to engage in this community in different ways. Specifically, we hope you'll, that you'll join the vibrant young adults group. I see one over there waiting to meet you. <laughs> and after the service next Sunday, you're invited to join them for, to support the congregation's commitment to justice led by the young adults. We've invited Delino and Anthony to share a few words as we reflect together on their growth as individuals and as a community. Good morning. My name is Delino Capellianus Donato. I've been attending the First Unitarian Church of Albuquerque for the past 14 years, which considering that I've only been around for 18 years is, is a pretty long time. Um, over this period, I've had a lot of time to soak in this religion and learn what it's all about. Um, and as somebody who has visited multiple mosques, synagogues, Catholic churches, and a Buddhist temple, I have to say, Unitarian Universalism is an incredibly unique religion. Obviously, it's a lot less structured than other belief systems in terms of freedom of belief within a religion. And I think that it's this freedom of belief that attracts such a diverse group of individuals. In our congregation, we have people from all different backgrounds, uh, be it religious, cultural, ethnic, or otherwise. And I think that it's this, this beauty, I think that that is the beauty of um, Unitarian Universalism. Its uh, emphasis is much less on what to believe and much more on who to believe it with. So Unitarian Universalism won't often tell you how to live your life, but it will give you people to live it with. And so I just wanted to quickly express gratitude to you all for this sense of community for the past 14 years. So thank you. Good morning, everybody. I hope you're all doing well. All right. Growing up is hard. As a kid, you see everybody around you with different backgrounds and ideas and, and different things going on in their lives. As you grow up, you get to be around those people and see all the ways that they live their lives, whether it be their beliefs or the way they live, or how they cook spaghetti. <laughs> As you get to grow up and experience these people's lives with them, you get to learn from them and are influenced by what they say and what they believe. It shapes your whole life. When I was about eight or nine, I moved from Dallas, Texas, or Garland, Texas to Albuquerque, and my whole life was flipped on its head. I, I had no friends here, I didn't have a church that I had been to here, and I didn't have a 
anything really to do. Um, and one of the coolest things I got to do when I first moved to Albuquerque was come to the, the Unitarian Church here. I had the chance to make friends and gain mentors and learn about spirituality all over the world. I was enveloped in a community full of acceptance and there was a large background of different people from different cultures and different places in the world and different places in life. They had different worldviews and ideas and hobbies and dreams. They all wanted to follow. And no matter what, you were accepted. A lot of people have struggles in their lives. And as people struggle, they may seek advice or help. And there's a lot of people here who have given me advice and help through my young adulthood. And I am very thankful to everybody here who has given me advice and helped me through my ridiculous childhood. <laughs> through my boisterous antics or ridiculous stunts, they've helped me mature as a teen and lead me towards adulthood. And I'd like to thank each and everybody here in the congregation for helping me become the adult I am today. We invited our bridging youth to share their reflections on the impact of community on each of us as individuals today. Since in so many ways, that is the heart of both the flower ceremony and the bridging rituals. I try to imagine Reverend Chopek's thinking as he designed that very first flower ceremony. It's such a simple and beautiful ritual and in today's world, as we sit here in a Unitarian Universalist church, the message of unique and diverse people coming together to explore truth might feel simplistic and too obvious. But a hundred years ago, for that fledging, fledgling church, as the continent emerged from war, it's easy to see why folks might have felt skeptical and apprehensive, and why coming together in this way felt radical. The flower ceremony was less of a celebration and more an invocation, invoking the courage and power and beauty of a group of folks with diverse beliefs dedicated to seeking and creating goodness together. It's not a small thing. 
And Reverend Chopek knew that commitment to one another needed to be cultivated and nurtured and valued. The power of that committed community proved important as holding progressive views in Czechoslovakia became increasingly dangerous and as the identity of the congregation became more scrutinized. As fascism in Europe rose, members of the Gestapo attended every service, tracking the church's activities. Unitarian Jenny Wheels says, when life is understood in isolation, it's easy to cultivate indignation, self-pity, or shame over losses and slights. But understood in the context of community, other meanings become possible. It is in these spaces where we are reminded of our commitment to one another and of our role in a long and continuing legacy of humanity. Some of the original motivation for the flower ceremony is embedded in our DNA as Unitarians. We are built on a foundation of accountability. Accountability to ourselves, to each other as individuals, to the generations that have come before, and as our future ancestors ourselves. We are not our own, the song says. In Chopek's church and the surrounding community, the times got truly scary. And Reverend Chopek's own story ultimately ends in tragedy. His commitment to the congregation and its values resulted in his imprisonment and death in a concentration camp. It's been said that he created a version of the flower ceremony there too. We are not our own. In one of his final prayers, Reverend Chopek said, it is worthwhile to live courageously for sacred ideals. Oh, blow ye evil winds into my body's fire, his prayer said. My soul you will never unravel. We belong to those who came before. We are accountable to these communities and we, the communities we claim and those we don't. We are part of the future generations that will come. We are not our own. As you take a flower home today, let it symbolize all these folks we move through this world with, committed to goodness and grace, truth and growth and justice together. Delino and Anthony, will you join us for a blessing as we start our flower ceremony? Family, friends, and strangers show us who we are. This community has held you and helped you to grow, and we will continue to be that for you and with you. A place to stretch, 
to be held accountable and to hold us accountable, to help us understand more deeply what it means to be human together. Toledo and Anthony, I invite you to take the first flower as a symbol of your place in this community. We are each one flower, the fruit of many generations, and also a piece of the beautiful, authentic whole. Today we recognize a new stage in your journey, a move into a new role within this community, where we will see you as an adult with the responsibilities and joy that brings. May this flower remind you of the love of this community, one that will hold you as you navigate this next stage and all its humanness, because we are all still figuring it out too, as have generations before and as will generations in the future. I invite the congregation to rise in body or spirit. We are not our own. We are cultivated in community, a seed of the divine and the fruit of generations. This community offers blessings upon this milestone and on all the milestones to come. Whether or not you have brought a flower today, there are plenty for everyone. You are invited to come forward to receive a flower now.
We bring who we are, we bring what we have, we bring our hearts, our time. You've been given a gift today, and you have given a gift, one for which you, not, you know not whose hands it ends up in. Who reached for what you went out to your garden and clipped? So it is with financial gifts. You are not only adding to a pile that passively flows along to the many ways we seek to reflect our principles in and outside these doors. You have someone right now reaching a hand for your gift, already knowing the good it will do, how the good only grows when it is out of our individual hands in the overflowing bouquet of our collective beauty and bounty. We have a new Change for the Future partner this month, Libros for Kids, a program which mails free books to children from birth to age five in partnership with Dolly Parton's Imagination Library. Dolly's organization was started in Tennessee in 1995 and has affected literacy rates worldwide while Libros for Kids follows in their footsteps by prioritizing availability of Spanish language and bilingual books in its efforts to improve literacy in Bernalillo County. Our collective gifts carry the passions and joys of this church to a community who needs them. We will now take the offering. have it 
All we gotta do is show a little trust. Well, it takes faith to try. When we try, it happens. The more it happens, the more we believe. When we believe, it's real. Then it's real. That gives people faith to try here at the start. Here at the start. Yeah, we're here at the start. I said truth. We wanted truth. Yes, we needed truth. We can take it. All we gotta do is say the truth. And peace. We wanted peace. We really needed peace. We can have it. All we gotta do is believe in peace. Well, it takes faith to try. When we try, it happens. The more it happens, yes, the more we believe. When we believe it's real, then it's real in our hearts. Faith to believe here at the start. Ooh, we just need a little love here at the start. We just need to show a little trust here at the start. We just need to believe in peace here at the start. Ooh, here at the start. Mm, just believe here at the start. Thank you so much for your generosity on behalf of the congregation and on behalf of Libros for Kids. May these dollars turn into many words and much good ministry. <laughs> Thank you, ushers. We have some invitations to share with you. Uh, first of all, if you've been around a while, you might remember that about five years ago, um, First Unitarian was part of a group of congregations that were wondering what we could do to better help unhoused folks who were showing up on congregation campuses um, in need. And we became part of a coalition called ABQ FaithWorks, 
which is an organization that continues now um, providing services to people who are unhoused and refugees as well. Abby Reed from ABQ FaithWorks is here today. Abby, where are you at? There you are. Would you mind standing up for just a moment? And you can applaud Abby, sure. <laughs> Welcome, Abby. Abby's going to be in the social hall during coffee hour after the service at a table. You'll see it right when you walk in, and you can ask questions about what uh, ABQ FaithWorks is doing and how to get involved. We're glad you're here. Join us for Pride Parade next Saturday. First, you will be marching with a float that has a castle uh, with all of the colors of every flag. Um, come cheer your church on. The parade starts at 10 a.m. in Knob Hill. The next day, Sunday, so next Sunday, uh, here at church we're going to create an altar in honor of the victims of the Pulse nightclub shooting that happened on June 12, 2016. If you'll remember, hundreds of LGBTQ plus folks and their friends were celebrating pride at a nightclub in Orlando when the attack occurred. And so we'll create an altar together as a community to remember those impacted by that and other violence in this climate of escalating uh, violent rhetoric and actions. So you're invited to add item, items to the altar that could include flowers, mementos, including pride trinkets from the parade the day before. Bring those to church and add them to the altar. Uh, notes, artwork, all that kind of thing. Also next Sunday, please join the UU People of Color, the Social Justice Council, and the Widening the Circle group for a screening of the film Racially Charged, America's Misdemeanor Problem at 1 p.m. in Memorial Hall. Through first-person accounts of those charged under the black codes of the Reconstruction Era, paralleled with the outrageous stories of people trapped in the system today, the film brings to light the unfolding of a powerful engine of profits and racial inequality. The film runs 35 minutes and will be followed by discussion. And lastly, I've got an update for you about masks. Masking in these Sunday services. I know many of you have been wondering. We have received many thoughts on this issue from you over the months. <laughs> and we solicited a lot of your thoughts a couple of months ago in April when we uh, had a, put out a survey. We talked about that for weeks in the service, encouraging folks to um, participate, and 150 of you did. Uh, let me say we've heard from many folks noting that the church is the only place where you wear masks anymore. Uh, believe it or not, we also have noticed this. <laughs> we, in fact, I was at an ER with somebody for several hours the other day and noticed universal masking isn't required there either right now. On the other hand, we've also received many, many messages of gratitude for the continued caution at the church, especially because we gather in such a big group and sing, which is different than many other places you might be. In the survey, we learned that slightly more than half of respondents think that masks should be optional, about 54%. Yet at the same time, 88.5% of everybody who answered was at least comfortable wearing them. 26.7%, so a little over a quarter, said they would not feel comfortable attending a service in which masks are optional. So that's a lot of people. And notably, that included three quarters of our young adult respondents on the survey. 
11.6% of respondents said they would not feel comfortable attending a service in which masks are required. So we've got a real split there. And when we asked people to rate on a scale how strongly they felt about these opinions or, or needs, they would have felt very strongly. So that's something that's actually been consistent since the pandemic first landed. People feel very strongly. So I want to say that it is not our practice here at First Unitarian to base a policy just on majority vote alone, because doing that can reinforce privilege and marginalization, and we don't want to just do that. But even if we were going to do that, it would be hard to figure out what direction to go based on the nuances here, right? People for and against a mask requirement cited science in their uh, reasoning. Some pointed out that COVID variants now are milder, just not the emergency they once were. Others pointed to new research that even current variants can cause long COVID with big health consequences. And many of us can agree that COVID appears to be here to stay. And so some folks were like, what will we do? Will we mask forever? And others said that masking is a way of showing love and care, and that especially with it not being required everywhere else, it means a lot here at the church. And finally, um, folks with hearing loss have shared that while masking has been good for physical health, it's been very hard on emotional health, and that it's quite isolating for many folks with hearing loss to be in a group that's masked because they cannot read lips or hear as well. So masking can be either inclusive or exclusive, depending on what's going on for you, right? So here's what we're going to do. The board has made a new policy that starting on Father's Day, June 18th, masking will continue to be required at 9 a.m., and it will be optional at 11 a.m. at the service. That gives the most cautious folks the first air of the day in this room, so it made some sense that way. We know some people are going to continue to mask at this 11 o'clock service, and that is most welcome. Please do as you see fit. We are also going to continue offering Zoom services indefinitely. Those are valuable. Um, and the reason for waiting a couple of weeks to implement this is because we know it's going to change the way some folks attend church. Some of our volunteers included are going to switch services, and we needed some time to accommodate that and still be able to function fully on a Sunday morning. So if this impacts your decision and you're a volunteer, let us know. I want to say I know that this will be great news for some folks, and it's going to be hard news for others. And I just encourage all of us to practice self-reflection and patience as we consider the wide range of needs in a diverse community such as this. And I thank everybody for being adaptable and caring toward each other as we work to make the most welcoming congregation possible. And in that spirit, would you rise in body or spirit and just greet each other with the peace of the morning. And we like to do that with a, heart over, a hand over our hearts and one extending toward each other. Good morning. Thank you. You can remain standing. In a little bit, we're going to sing our closing song, which is number 1064 in the Teal Hymnal, Blue Boat Home. But before we do, Bridging Youth, will you join me? Delino and Anthony, you walked into the sanctuary this morning as youth. 
and you'll now symbolically leave this space as young adults. When they return next week and in the weeks to come, they will engage with our community as adults. As they exit the sanctuary now, and while we sing our closing song, I invite you to extend your hands out to them as a blessing for the continued journey that we are on together. May the flower you take with you remind you of your gratitude for this community, the beauty of our shared legacy, and our commitment to sowing the seeds of goodness as future ancestors. Go forth with love.